Welcome to the OKC First podcast. Together, we're learning to do three things. Friendship with God. Friendship with one another. And open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. Today's scripture comes from John chapter 17, verses 37 through 39. On the last day of the festival, the great day, while Jesus was standing there, he cried out, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me, and let the one who believes in me drink. As the scripture has said, Out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. Now he said this about the spirit which believers in him were to receive, For as yet there was no spirit, because Jesus was not yet glorified. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Albany. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. This is actually the the last sermon in this particular series, Jesus the Life. Jesus the Life. And uh, I, I was struck this week by those words, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. I would submit to you that people are thirsty. And they're so thirsty that they'll do anything really to kind of pass the time or to entertain themselves. For example, just yesterday, I received evidence that there were two different internet hoaxes going on even within our church. Somebody uh, made me aware yesterday that uh, somebody was apparently getting a divorce (laughs) uh, because there was this ad on Facebook, uh, but we saw also on Facebook that it was all a hoax, so no worries there. And then I had been working with Lisa on on our baptismal moment here this morning, and after talking with Lisa, almost immediately I got a call after that and said, Pastor, I'm so sorry. I said, what's going on? He said, I just heard that Lisa Sanders passed away. I said, that is terrible. I better call her and see if she knows about this yet. <laughs> Why do people do these things? <laughs> like, what, what is it that people are getting out of, uh, of this? Maybe it's that they're hungry for something. Maybe, maybe it's that they're searching for something to add some, I don't know, some energies, some, some fun even to life. I don't know. I don't know. I do know that here we are in a sermon series called Jesus the Life, and, and even in the picture itself, and, and I really appreciate Courtney Duke putting this together for us, this, this kind of captures what I'm hoping to convey, that there is something about this Jesus character that if allowed to do so will help us, will grant us life that we would not have otherwise. Let, let me, if, if I haven't been clear about it, let me say it right now. The decision to allow this Jesus to completely envelop and wrap himself around your life will change your life for the better. And all God's people said. And if you haven't yet made that decision or if you forgot and you need to make it again, it's a great day to do it. There is life available with Jesus that you will not get otherwise. Now, we're gonna spend a year, we've already spent several months trying to figure out who this Jesus is. I did find a, uh, an AI-generated picture of Jesus right? And here it is, very, 
human-looking Jesus. Now, I'm not, I'm not really going to very often use that image of Jesus um, because I, I, I don't know that that's what Jesus looked like. Maybe, maybe. I at least want to use, if I'm going to use that image, I also want to put the other image up there too because this, this Jesus, this Jesus, and this is hard to wrap our brains around, is fully person and fully God. This Jesus is fully person, fully human, and fully God. And I don't know about you, but I am still trying to wrap my mind around the implications of Jesus. And so have decided as your preaching pastor that as a part of my development in faith, and hopefully your development in faith, we'll spend a year in these gospel passages trying to get a better, clearer picture, a deeper, richer, broader picture of what it is that we mean when we utter this name, Jesus. So who is Jesus, and, and what does Jesus mean? And goodness gracious, what does Pentecost even mean? I mean, we have some, even if you've grown up in the church, you may have sort of a, a loose association between this word Pentecost and the giving of the Spirit. Yeah, but, but, but so what? What does it matter? And what do I do with it except for wearing really cool ties on one Sunday? By the way, Eric and Laura Jorgensen, always a treat. I love the way you guys, yeah, I'm telling you what, it's a beautiful thing, yeah. What do we do with it though? And is there some way that in our pursuit of Jesus we can understand more about Pentecost? Is there some way that as we work to understand Pentecost it can tell us something more about Jesus? And I would say yes to both of those. And we'll do that today by actually looking backwards. That's what Scripture does. Scripture, in trying to explain to us the ramifications of the arrival of Christ, the ramifications of this day, Pentecost, will actually look back at its own stories, look back at its own festivals. In other words, it, it, to, lo- to know something of the ancient Hebrew festivals that we're going to talk about today, two of them today, It should add to your understanding of what we mean or the implications of Jesus coming onto the scene. Now, these two festivals that we're going to talk about today, Sukkot and Shavuot, Shavuot, these two festivals both have in mind the same story. And I think in order to get this, you have to recognize that for the ancient Hebrews, there was no story greater in their minds and imagination. There was no greater meaning-making story than the story of the Exodus, than the story of the Exodus. Now, I need you to know also that when I say the Exodus, I'm not just talking about the one event, I'm talking about all of it. Their liberation, out from underneath the thumb of Pharaoh, their trek across the Red Sea, their wilderness wanderings, the giving of the law on Mount Sinai and their arrival in the Promised Land. I'm putting all of that underneath this one large umbrella of the Exodus where they move from one place to another. That story was so important to them that they would have rituals and traditions and giant pilgrimages and festivals to make sure that we would all remember that story because that is the meaning-making story. That is the story that tells us in the Old Testament that God is a good God who chooses God's people. There's a great gospel story in the Old Testament and it's called the Exodus story. And so there were these different There were these different festivals. The first one I want to talk about today is the one that we see actually in John chapter 7. 
It is Sukkot, Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, sometimes known as the Festival of Booths. And here is what they are remembering. They're remembering specifically in this particular feast and festival that God cared for them during the wilderness wanderings. More than that, that God was their source of life during the wilderness wanderings. You remember this, right? When they ran out of food, what did God do? God supplied manna. God supplied quail. When they ran out of water, what happened? Well, the people grumbled and grumbled. God said, well, go over there and find the water that you need in the rock. (laughs) And so God supplied them with water. And similarly then, God would shepherd them throughout all of those wilderness wanderings. And they would have this festival, this Feast of Tabernacles each year to remind themselves that ultimately God has been shown to be faithful. Ultimately, God will provide. And here's what they would do. They would move out of their homes and they would move into little, I don't know, little huts that they would build, little, little huts. And for a solid week, for a solid week, they would live outside of their creature comforts and live in these huts and they would fend kind of for themselves as a way of reminding them that ultimately God is the author of our existence. We cannot be trusted to secure our own existence, but we can trust God to secure our existence. This was the feast that Jesus was at. Now, at first, Jesus said he wasn't gonna go. The disciples said, hey, you're about to be famous. This is John chapter seven. Jesus, you're about to be famous, and here's what I would do, Jesus. If I wanted to be famous, I would send you to this giant festival where you could kind of do your stuff out loud, and you would be more famous than you are today. And Jesus said, pass. I don't want to do it the way you want me to do it, but you guys go ahead. And so the disciples leave. And then later, Jesus kind of secretly goes. He goes to this festival. Remember, he goes to the festival where they are absolutely out loud celebrating the faithfulness of God, the God who can provide food and living water. Now, water is a big deal in the Gospel of John, right? The water is turned into wine. Jesus says to Nicodemus, you must be born from above, born of water and born from above. Jesus is talking to the woman at the well. Remember this, the Samaritan woman? He wasn't supposed to be talking to her. And then he says to her, I can offer you living water. And all of this discussion of water happens in what we believe is still today a very arid climate. (laughs) Water's not nothing out there. Water was absolutely essential, an essential element for life, for purity, for sustenance. When Jesus says living water, it means more than running water. Now, it did mean that. It did mean that. A source of living water would also have been a source of running water, a constant stream of it. But Jesus is saying, no, Listen to these verses. So it's on the last day of the festival, and we're going to make some more sense of the last day of the festival here in a second. The last day of the festival, the great day, while Jesus was standing there, he cried out, let anyone who is thirsty come to God. No, it says here, come to me. But he's making a very specific point here, right? And let the one who believes in me drink. As he has said, 
out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water could have been translated out of God's heart flow rivers of living water. Now, Scripture tells us that people got upset with him for saying that because they caught what I hope you caught. Jesus was likening himself to the God who provides living water. And they looked at him and they said, as you see often in Scripture, who do you think you are? How is it that you can liken yourself to the God of the universe? Now, this was the last day, the final day, the great day of the celebration. And here's what we think happened on the last day of the celebration. Remember, water is scarce. Water is super valuable. On the last day of this particular festival, the priest would take a whole bunch of water and pour it out as if to say, we trust you, God. We will come to you, God, for our sources of water, our source of living water. We'll pour all of this out. They poured out water and wine. Again, not to change God's mind about them, but to change themselves because maybe they didn't yet fully deeply believe that God was trustworthy. Well, if you pour out that water, God better be trustworthy. And so they pour out this water saying, yes, God, we do trust you. And this is the moment when Jesus stands up and says, let anyone who is thirsty come to me. And let the one who believes in me drink, as the scripture has said, out of the believer's heart shall flow living rivers of living water. A little bit of commentary here, verse 39. Now he said this about the Spirit, which believers in him were to receive, for as yet there was no Spirit, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Now, you might say, and you'd be right, I think I kind of remember there being the language of Spirit in the Old Testament. I think I kind of remember even earlier in the book when the Spirit descended on Jesus when he came out of the water. Remember that? Like a dove. I think I remember there being a spirit. But we're talking about here the spirit of the resurrected Christ. There wasn't yet the spirit of the resurrected Christ because in John chapter 7, we haven't had a crucifixion yet. We haven't had a resurrection yet. We haven't had a glorification or an ascension yet. The Christ event, the crucifixion, the resurrection, the ascension, we believe that those are the ways, and all of that taken together, that is the way that the Spirit of Christ is made available to all of us, to each of us, to each of us. And in fact, it happens later in the book, in John chapter 20, the day of the crucifixion, the resurrection. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Verse 20, after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And watch this. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, here you go. Receive the spirit, the wind, the breath of the resurrected Christ. It is now yours, and if you remember, it came with the calling to continue to do what Jesus does with Jesus' own life. Receive the spirit 
of the resurrected Christ. But there is today, as you know, a different story. The same spirit, but a different story about the giving of the spirit. And this one takes place during another Jewish festival, this one known as Shavuot, the festival of weeks, or the feast, or the festival of Pentecost. Listen to this, I'm reading from Leviticus 23. This is after Passover. You shall count until the day after the seventh Sabbath, 50 days. Then you shall present an offering of new grain to the Lord. So this word, Pentecost, is derived from the Greek word for 50, 50. There is a natural sense of the day of Pentecost then being fulfilled since the original establishment of the celebration encouraged the people to count seven weeks of seven days from Passover until the day after the Sabbath. And here's what they would do. They would bring a gift of first fruits back to the temple. Having been established now, God having cared for them, having been established, they would bring this harvest back to the temple as if to say, God, we don't ever want to forget that you are the reason that we have been sustained. You are the reason that we have arrived in this promised land. Those are the original thoughts behind the Feast of Pentecost. Now, a little bit later, it came to be for the giving of the commandments at Mount Sinai. A little bit later, and by the time that we read this, we think this is probably that time, when the Jewish people said, well, this is the day, the Feast of Pentecost, Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks, this is when we will celebrate that God has provided, that God has provided everything we need, including the Ten Commandments, to organize us so that we can be the people of God. God's provision, the day of Pentecost, was celebrated by all the Jews that day as a celebration of the provision that God made for all of us so that we would know how to be the people of God. Now, these are familiar words to us. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages of the Spirit gave them ability. Now, this is not just any spirit. We believe this to have been the spirit of the resurrected Christ, like in John 20, now made available to each one, to each one. And all these different language groups would be representative of this fact. Now, the spirit of the resurrected Christ is available to everyone. Christian, what are you doing with it? I mean, God has gone way out of God's way to say to you, I am making myself available to you. I am making available to you and for you the spirit of the resurrected Christ. What are you, what am I, what are we doing with it? I mean, again, I have never been super comfortable with the language of Holy Ghost. If you are, I don't mean to offend, it just makes me think of, pa of Casper, the friendly ghost, right? I think this is a more personal entity. This is the spirit of the resurrected Christ, made available to us as Christ made that spirit available to the people in that room in John 20 when he breathed on them and said, receive this from me, receive my spirit. 
And now with my spirit, do Jesus' things. Be Jesus' people. Acts chapter 2 is the exact same thing, but kind of on a bigger, grander, scarier scale. Everything changes in the resurrection. Everything changes with Pentecost. Everything changes because God makes available to each one of us, each one of us, the spirit, the wind, the breath of the resurrected Christ. What are we doing with it? One of the guys I read this week was a name by the name of was a guy by the name of Thomas Long, and he says this. Jesus speaks of his promise of the presence of the resurrection Christ, the presence of the resurrected Christ at the festival of the tabernacles, the promise fulfilled at Pentecost, according to Luke and Acts. And John interprets the Jewish festivals anew in light of God's revelation in Christ. All that the festivals celebrate, the deliverance, the presence, the provision of God, find new significance in God's sending of the Son to tabernacle among us and God's sending of the Spirit to abide with us forever. This promise of the Spirit means that Jesus, the Jesus of history, the Jesus who walked the dusty roads of Galilee, the Jesus who taught and healed and formed a community of disciples, the Jesus who was tried by Pontius Pilate and executed on a Roman cross, this Jesus is for believers not just a memory or a story or an idea, but a living and unceasing presence. And you all, it's available to you. Part of what we did right here earlier in the service with Corinne was acknowledge that she was in a functioning, a fully functioning member, someone who had been granted the very life of God in the form of the spirit of the resurrected Christ. Remember, identified with Christ in Christ's resurrection and granted and granted at that point access to the wind, the breath, the spirit that filled the lungs of Christ. What are you doing with it? Somebody came to me uh, just recently and said, Pastor, I would like to be baptized. I said, that's fantastic. Have you been baptized before? Yes, three times. We're going to do something for her and for her husband. I, we don't like to baptize people a second time because we don't think that God misses in baptism, right? But I do think it's important that we acknowledge, that we acknowledge and remember moments of baptism. I do think that's important because, as you know, <laughs> life out there at times seems completely angled against God, the mission of God, the people of God. Anybody else notice that? And when you sense that life out there is angled against God, the mission of God, and the people of God, perhaps what is happening in that moment as well is that you are forgetting, and I am forgetting, we have forgotten, perhaps at times, that we have access to the very same wind, breath, spirit that filled the lungs of Christ. Can I ask us a question? What would you do if you knew that you had access to the same wind, breath, 
spirit that filled the lungs of Christ, what would you do? How would it change the rest of your Sunday? How would it change the way that you would enter into the workplace this week? How would it change the way that you would go back into what might be a difficult home situation? What? I like to do this to us every once in a while. Listen to this. Y'all, what if this is true? What if it's true (laughs) that you and I actually do have access, as is the intention of God, to the very same wind and breath and spirit that filled the lungs of the resurrected Christ. How would that change your week? I think it is true. I think it is true And I think sometimes what we need are reminders that it's true. And here's where I find mine. I I find mine sometimes in the faces of the people who are coming up out of the water when they hear your screams and you're hooting and hollering. You ever seen those faces? Sometimes I find it in your hooting and hollering. I I think some people just like to make noise, but some of you are hooting and hollering because you kind of get it. Somebody else has just joined the movement in the most official of ways. Tell you somewhere else I see it. I see it in the faces of family members up here when we're dedicating cute babies. And even the ones that aren't cute, but still today. Another cute baby. I see it in their faces when we say something like, will you be caught being Christian in front of your kids? And I have yet to see anybody say, uh, not for me. Every time there is a moment of deep hope here, vision here, that perhaps there is a stream here of living water that I can tap into to not just live, but also raise a child, especially if I have other people who are swimming in that same stream around me. In other words, sometimes when the week has gone such that I could be talked into forgetting that I have access to the Spirit, when we gather and we do the right things, and we speak to one another in encouraging ways, I catch glimpses of that spirit again, and I'm ready for the next round. That's why we have this bowl of water right here. Now, typically, only a few of you come by, and that is totally fine, because again, like communion, all are invited, none are compelled. You are not going to be shamed if you decide not to come by here and give, your chance, give yourself a chance to remember that you have access to resurrection spirit. But think about that. Why would you not? I mean, I don't know what your week is going to be like. I do know what some of your weeks are going to be like because you, you are good to tell me. Some of you who are facing very difficult weeks and moments of change, hopeless situations, terrible conflict. (laughs) Some of us need desperately to be reminded that we have access to the same resurrection, spirit, life, and breath that fill the lungs of Christ. And man, all of you who, like me, know you need it should say amen. 
So who is just Jesus' character? All we can add to it today is that this Jesus understands himself as a source of living water. All we can say about it is that this Jesus understands himself in the Christ event, the cross, the resurrection, the ascension. To be intentional as it has to do with making this living water, this resurrection spirit available to you, to each of you, to each of you, to all of us. So what do we do with with Pentecost? Well, I mean, what we added to it today, I hope, is that there was some ancient uh, understanding of Pentecost that was not changed with the coming of the Spirit, but certainly it was furthered. We added to our understanding of how it is that God goes about providing. What God has provided is not just harvest. It's not just the law given at Sinai, but now what God has provided is God's own self, God's own life, spirit, wind, and breath. And just like in John 20, and just like in Acts 2, you aren't meant just to hoard that breath. You are meant to breathe it. And this is how it is that God moves in and through all of our circumstances as we drink of this living water, as we breathe in this spirit, and then also then breathe it out. In other words, it's the same muscle group that we use when we approach the table. So if you're coming, would you come and help set the table for us? Heavenly Father, bless these elements. It's bread and it's cup, but God, in your hands, it becomes something more. God, in your hands, bread and cup become more reminders, become significantly large reminders that you are available and accessible, that we can have a share of your life and breath. God, as people come to the table today, may they be encouraged. May they be reminded today. May we remember to remember today that you are, in fact, present and available and accessible to us. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet and exit your pews to the left. All of you who are willing, again, all are invited None are compelled. In the Church of the Nazarene, the Western denomination, you do not have to be perfect. (laughs) You do not qualify by being perfect to come to the table. In fact, here's what we would say. There is something about this table that can be a part of the converting process. Taking part in this table and the grace made available at this table can move you toward Christ-likeness. So if you did something really dumb and terrible today, you're still welcome. You're chronically normal, and you're still welcome. If you recognize your need for grace, that is all you need to qualify you for a spot at this table. So you're invited, and as I ask you to stand to your feet, exit your pew to the left, then, if you would, come forward with your hands cupped to receive this grace, because that's what it is, it's grace. As you approach someone holding a plate of bread, that person will say to you, this is the body of Christ broken for you. Take that piece of bread. Don't eat it just yet, but dip it into the cup. When you do, that person holding the cup will say, and this is the blood of Christ 
shed for you. And then take and eat. And then you've got a decision to make. Because you've got to figure out where you're going to pray. Are you going to go to one of these side padded altars where we, uh, we will pray a prayer of healing for you? There will be an elder that will meet you. If you go to one of these side altars, somebody will meet you there and pray that prayer of healing. Physical healing, mental, emotional, relational, whatever you need, we'll pray with you there. Maybe you'll want to come to one of these kneeling benches up here at the front. We won't assume anything, but we will at some point come by and with just a touch remind you that you are not alone as you pray, God, I need a portion of this life, breath, wind, spirit. You're not alone. You can circle right back around to your seats and pray, but you may want to take a trip by this bowl of water. And you may want to just simply dip your finger, just touch the top of the water. Don't go knuckles deep into the water, all right? Just, just touch the water and be reminded in that touch that you have a share of the very life of God. The same wind, breath, spirit that filled the lungs of the resurrected Jesus is still available to you today for your today and tomorrow. It was on the night that he was betrayed that our Savior took bread. He blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body broken for you and every time you eat of it, remember me. The same way he would take the cup. He held it up before them and said, and this is my blood, the blood of a new covenant shed for you and every time you drink of it, remember me. So now all across the sanctuary, if you would, stand to your feet. All of you who will, exit your pews to the left. Come forward with your hands cupped to receive these gifts of God meant to nourish and include the people of God.